Hello. In this episode, we continue to learn about Passive House, and I'm going to introduce you to the Owl Woods Passive House. So this is a new home in Victoria that meets the Passive House requirements and will be certified as a Passive House when complete. This home is David and Yvonne's forever home, and we're going to hear from David about what their journey has been like as the clients and the homeowners in this project and the future occupants of it as well. Now, at the time of recording this episode, the project was nearing completion and it was due to be finished right about like you know kind of about now in terms of the published time of this podcast so really exciting to be able to share this with you let's dive in welcome to get it right with the undercover architect this is the podcast all about designing building or renovating your home i'm your host amelia lee think of me as your secret ally i am on a mission to help you create a home that makes your life better whoever you're working with, and whatever your dreams, your location, or your budget. Together we'll uncover the nitty-gritty of how to get it right and how to create a home that works, feels great, and that you feel great in. So join me now. Now before I jump into the interview with David, let me tell you that this episode is brought to you by my online course, How to Get It Right in Your Reno or New Home. So this course is a super fast way to help you get ready for your renovation or building project and to be able to do it in the best way too. In it, I share my step-by-step system to help you save time, money and stress in your project so that you can know what you need to know to create the perfect home for you, simply and with confidence and avoiding the drama and the headaches. You can join now and get access to a fantastic Facebook community, live monthly Q&A sessions with me, and all the tools and resources that you need to achieve success in your project. So head to undercoverarchitect.com forward slash how to get it right to learn more and to join us. So let's get into the episode. It's actually really exciting to be bringing the first of this series of episodes to you because it's really unusual to be able to get the points of view of so many team members on one project, but that's what we're doing with the Owl Woods Passive House project over the next few weeks. So in this episode, David Ryan to the client, he tells us what it's been like to be the client in this project from how he and his wife went about finding their block of land to choosing Talena Edwards as their architect and then working together on the design. And David will share what motivated them to pursue sustainable design in the first place and and then to go down the journey of looking at Passive House. You'll hear some fantastic tips and insights along the way that I I know will really help you with planning your own project, whether you're planning a Passive House or not. Now, if you head to the blog uh, on Undercover Architect, I'll put the floor plans there so that you can see what the floor plans of this home look like because obviously it's a little bit difficult for us to explain that over the podcast. And I'll also share some other links so that you can learn more about the home. You know, whilst it was under construction, it was included in 2018 Sustainable Open House Day, which meant that people could come and visit the house and see it. So you can imagine it was a popular place to visit because many visitors were really keen to see the details of a passive house whilst it was being built because so much of the work of a passive house gets hidden behind the walls and under the floors and those types of things uh, once construction is finished. So if you head to the blog and I'll pop a link in the show notes for you to find it easily, um, you can check out the floor plans and see this beautiful home that's been created for David and Yvonne and you can get more information about this project. So let's dive into our interview with David. David, thank you so much for joining us. It's really exciting to have you on the podcast. I know that you're a podcast, uh, you listen to the Get It Right podcast, so it's great to have you here being able to talk to the UI community about your experience 
uh, as a client building and a homeowner building a passive house. Can you tell us a bit about, you know, who you're building this home for, your family structure, sort of how many people are going to be in this house and how long you sort of envisage yourself being here? Sure. Hi, Amelia. So, yeah, um, so we're building, um, we, we've got three kids. So my wife and I have got three kids, but they're all at, at leaving age. One, one's left already, one's about to leave, and, and the third one will come with us for a little bit. So really, it's just for the two of us, but with enough space to welcome our children and our friends back again, but not have them there permanently. So let's let's go with that one. Um, <laughs> comfortable, um, so, but not too comfortable, hey? Absolutely. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, and you know, for us, it's it's going to be our forever house. You know, that's certainly our plans at the moment. Fantastic. And so, I mean, what a great opportunity to be able to create a new home at this point in your life. How did you go about, you know, finding the site? What's the site like that you're building the home on? You know, what's sort of the, I suppose, the surrounding areas and how you went about choosing it particularly? Um, sure. So we're originally from the UK. We've been in Australia about 15 years. And, and one, and we both grew up in sort of small villages outside of country towns. So we, we live in, in the suburbs of Melbourne to get our kids through school. Um, so a good government school here, want to be there. But we always knew that we would move out, you know, move back to you know, country sort of living. Um, and we had always sort of thought, you know, the goldfields areas of, of, of um, Victoria so and Dalesford is where we sort of had our heart set on. But over the years, that's got busier and busier. And we wanted to be you know, quieter than that. And we were driving back from Dalesford and it was pouring with rain. Uh, and we drove through Trentham, which is a village, and it sort of felt right, even in the bad weather. Um, and then fortuitously, just as we were driving through, there was suddenly a land for sale sign. Um, so we turned off. Um, and we had a look, and you know, and, and that was it. Um, How so, serendipitous, hey? That sounds like it was meant absolutely. to be. Oh, it, it, yeah, absolutely, perfect. Um, and it, it's a uh, a fairly big block of land that, that's been subdivided. So the person's owned it for a long time. They subdivided it, and and they made it into like a small community. So they're you know, it, it's not too big, not too small, sort of Goldilocks type type stuff. Um, and there's a big chunk of forest which they've left at the back for everybody who owns a, a, a lot in there to sort of enjoy um, that's not going to get developed on which is fantastic um you know it's a, our plot's about um three quarters of an acre um i would prefer to be a bit more isolated my wife doesn't want to be so so we'll go with the go with this one which is great so you know five no, sorry 15 minutes walk into the into the village to the pub um you know you can walk through the woods or you can walk along the road uh, yeah, just just nice. Oh, that sounds like a gorgeous place to be in. Absolutely, up. fantastic. And and did you look at any particular orientation or anything like that when you were buying? Did you have any criteria like that in your choosing? In choosing? Um, yeah. So we wanted. Um, we were starting to think about not passive house in in because I didn't really know much about that, but a bit more about sort of solar passive so using you know i've been reading about you know, rather than heating and cooling the whole time can we use the sun so we wanted something which was at north not too much blocking on north facing so that was really it so our lot is actually onto a very quiet road north north side of us so nobody can build there and there are no trees to get in the way so that was really the only choice we had to make in terms of of the orientation of the lot Fantastic. And the decision to build new what was instead of renovating an older home what was was there a particular direction about that yeah, we, we've we've renovated lots of houses over our time, uh, mainly in the UK. We've done a little bit here, and always wanted to to do our own. You know, we've made lots of horrible mistakes. We've done lots of things right. So this is a chance to sort of coalesce all of that thinking together um, and and you know do something which we you know for us. Oh, brilliant! 
And so what were your key goals when you thought about, okay, this, I mean, because it's just a fantastic clean slate, isn't it? You think the kids are leaving home, we get to create something that's not about, you know, dealing with little people becoming big people and, you know, all of that kind of flexibility and functionality that we need. This is a really, I can, you know, it's just a gorgeous opportunity. What were your goals when you were thinking about how this new home would need to function and what you really wanted to create for yourselves? Um. So we're not looking, nothing particularly grand. So we're not looking for a, for a big showy off place, you know, no McMansion, that sort of stuff. So, but also not too pokey. Um, and a, um, you know, something that is, is, if you like, right-sized, but also um, flexible. So a key thing there is about to be able to change change rooms. So for example, we haven't done built-in robes in any sort of room. So they, in effect, each room can be something different if it needs to be. So something that's practical, not too big, and flexible because we'll have people to stay, you know, both you know, our friends here and hopefully people from overseas and our kids back, you know, when they need to chill out, etc. Um, so to accommodate that, um, but be a small enough size to to be manageable um, and uh, a little bit interesting. Um, you know, interesting is then then our architect brings to life what interesting is, but you know, something a little bit more interesting. Yeah. And so you said you started thinking about solar passive. What led you to sort of making the discovery and really committing to passive house? Because you've really gone all in in terms of, you know, what you're doing and the team that you've pulled together. So how did you sort of start that journey and make a commitment to that being the way that you wanted to build your home? Um, yeah, good question. I think in, in our minds, it had always been it was going to be sustainable or eco, but I didn't really quite know what that meant. You know, we just had that as a general target, if you like. Um, so the first thing to do was to find, and I went looking for an architect first. So to find an architect who was their their credentials and their and their desire was sustainability. Um, so we were really lucky. We found Talina Edwards. Um, um, she's Ballarat based. You know, sustainability is is her thing, um, and we sort of clicked, you know, um, from there. And then then the ideas developed really from that. You know, just as her her saying, well, what about this? Have you thought about this? What about this? That's when the whole solar orientation thing became. You know, that was the first cab off the rank, get that right. Um, and we hadn't really thought about passive, particularly at that stage, or she, she had inklings of it. Um, and But then the more we looked at it, we thought, well, actually, yeah, let's let's investigate that more. And then that's what led on to finding a builder who had experience and credentials around that one. And then it just snowballed from there. Yeah, a good snowball, not a bad snowball. <laughs> and, and how would you describe passive house? Like what, what would be your definition? When people have said to you, so you're building a passive house, what does that exactly mean? What, what do you tell them? Um, yeah, so, so the, the definition if you look on the web is, is sort of fairly clear, but, but I try and explain it to people in two ways. So there's, there's what it does and then how it does it. You know, the, the what it does, it means you can live in a place which is comfortable in terms of temperature and, and et cetera all year round and not having to spend a lot of money in terms of energy to achieve that. So that's the, what it does. And then how it does it is you know, massive insulation, airtight, um, good solar orientation, i.e. using the sun in the winter to heat it up and not getting over, over hot in the summer, and then um, uh, heat recovery ventilation, not to throw all of the hot air out that you've just got. And those are the sort of four things. So it's the achieving something and then how you get there. So that's how I try and explain it. That's actually a really brilliant, succinct explanation. So <laughs> I love that that's I've, what I've you're... read it so many times that, uh, <laughs> you know, I go from that. I don't claim any of that as being mine. <laughs> it's fantastic. And when you were thinking about this, 
um, in terms of, you know, looking at your budget and what you're going to spend on the home? Did you think, oh, look, we're just going to need extra money for all of these passive house measures? This is going to cost us more because we want to do this sustainability thing. You know, perhaps we'll figure out payback periods and lower costs, you know, heating and cooling bills. Like, how did you figure it? Because this is the big thing for people. They think, oh, gosh, this is going to be too expensive. And so it immediately gets dismissed at that point. They see it sort of taking away from their, you know, opportunity to have the house that they want. How did you think about your budget and investing it in creating a home like this? Um, I'll be honest, I had absolutely no idea at the start. I had absolutely no idea what costs would be attributable to be doing something in a passive way versus a you know, a normal way. Um, you know, and then there's always higher costs if you're doing something bespoke rather than just buying something from a, a volume builder, for example. Um, but the more I read about so loads of research, um, you know, internet, et cetera, and speaking to people. But more read about it, that if you get a builder who knows what he's doing, then the costs don't need to be significantly more, or in fact, any more than maybe a traditional, you know, bespoke house would be. Um, and it's more about getting, it's, it's that managing the trade so that one trade doesn't go and muck up what the previous one's done, et cetera. Um, so if you've got somebody who knows what they're doing and knows about passive houses, then you're not, a, you know, it, and there are ranges of quotes. It's between, you know, naught to 10%, maybe more than a traditional house would be. Um, so if you look at it in that way, it actually is a bit of a no-brainer, you know, because you're going to get that sort of money back over the lifetime of the house with the re massively reduced energy cost. But it was not really about that. It was about sustainability and comfort with the main drivers. You know, I haven't got an unlimited budget at all. I've got a budget where I'm working in, but because our needs are quite simple, you know, we're, we're not looking at, at having a, a fantastic, fancy house. It's more about making sure the structure of it is there and it works and everything's functional. So therefore, I could you know, we could afford that little bit extra premium to make it passive because I'm not trying to put bells and whistles everywhere. Fantastic. No, I think that's a great way of looking at it. And I find that people who are designing sustainably budgets, not just their baseline criteria and everything, they are thinking more long term. It is about alignment with values, about you know, your opportunity to align what your home is doing with the values that you have about, um, you know, uh, the planet and long-term future, you know, sort of view and those types of things. So I think it's great that that yeah. for you were all of those things weaving together and it wasn't just about uh, money. And the fact too that, you know, at the end of the day, it isn't, it's not a you know, a lot of people have said to me, oh, I've been told it's 20, 25% more, um, but it is that that case of weighing up it as an investment upfront investment versus the long-term cost. And I don't, yeah. I don't think as homeowners we necessarily consider the payback and the balance period. We just think about, okay, I've got to come up with this, cough up this money first, and then yeah. the, the energy bills and everything are just an inevitability that comes on when if you can actually see it more holistically, then there's a, uh, there is an opportunity to make that value judgment on that basis. No, I agree. But I didn't go and do a detailed, you know, cost projection on how much I'd save and things because... Oh, David, you know, I'm disappointed. A, oh, I'm sorry, yeah. <laughs> to be honest, a lot, a lot of it, you know, it, it's lies, damn lies and statistics. You know, you, the numbers can tell you anything you want them to. And, and I thought, you know what, it's for me, it's the right thing to do. And if you can control the cost like you would want to do on any build, then, you know, the passive is just another element to that. It's just another way of building. Um, so I thought, you know, let, yeah, we'll go for it um, and, and we'll manage the the scope of it with that as being one of the key elements. You know, it's, it's just another part of the build as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, that's great. And it is. It's become a core part of your brief. 
So just Absolutely. like you want a living room of X size, you want yep. it to be a passive home. So that's it. Yeah, it's yep. a fantastic way to illustrate it. So yep. now you said that you looked for an architect first, you were thinking about sustainability and then, you know, sort of started talking to a builder. You've also um, got uh, Luke Plowman that we were talking to soon on the podcast, who's your consultant. Um, then, of course, there's a passive house certifier. How have you sort of felt, you know, the process of, getting that right team together, getting the knowledge, you know, have you found that you've had to upskill yourself in terms of the terminology and the research? You know, I can imagine a lot of homeowners think, gosh, this is a really complex subject. There's a lot of moving parts, a lot of things I need to consider. How have you found that whole process and the support of your team and who you've chosen in that, in, in, in working this through? Um, so for me, it's really interesting. So I've, I've learned a whole heap of things during this process and really enjoyed it. So I mean, I've, I've enjoyed finding out about what Passive House is and isn't and, you know, what, what, what you can do. And, and, um, and that's been great. And you know, Talina, the architect and Stu, the builder, you know, they're both passionate about, about this and, and very good communicators. So you know, they're happy to share information with me and I'll just ask them anyway. So I'm learning that through that piece. The, the, if you like the next lot of of people in the puzzle, so people like Luke and, and other people like that, I've been less engaged directly with them. That's been more through Talina and Stu um, doing, you know, working with them. Although I've obviously been involved, but I've been taking their recommendations. I mean, for me, there's I, I don't have any skills in this area, so there's no point me hiring people who know what they're doing and then trying to tell them to do it my way. I've, you've got to hire them and trust them, you know, and and I want them to tell me what they're doing, and and I'm I'm happy to question them. And I get nervous if they don't answer my questions. But they, the, these guys absolutely have done and they're incredibly transparent. And that's important. But otherwise, you've got to employ people who know what they're doing and trust to get, let them get on and do it. Um, so you know, dealing with, say, Luke and other people, really, Talina has been doing that. But I've been you know, copied in and seen everything and, and quizzed them on a few things. But the key one was, was you know, get, getting the right architect and then getting the right builder. Because you know, the builder, he's a guy who's got to turn the, he or she has got to turn the, you know, the my dreams and Talina's representation of that into what it's actually going to be on the ground. And, and Stu has brought incredible um, insight into that. You know, lots of things saying, look, if we did it this way, it would work so much better. And A, that'd be cheaper for you. And B, it would be better for these reasons. So we got him in really early and that's helped the whole process. Yeah, that's brilliant. And it's it's a process that, you know, um, the UA community will know that I recommend is getting that collaborative team established really early so that you've got the buildability, the budget, the design, you know, and the reality of construction all feeding into each other at the same time. So you're creating a design in alignment with what you can afford yeah. as you go through it. And you're also building up those really rela- those key relationships that are, you know, incredibly important. Your builder then understands the design and the design motivation. I mean, Stu will have such an intimate understanding of the design by the time he goes about building this home that it just means that you'll protect all of that investment of energy and effort, you know, that you've done, you've worked on with Talena to ensure that you're actually getting the home as the finished product at the end. So um, I think it's great that you've been able to see this process really working for you in that regard. Have you, you said you'd done renovating before. Have you worked with an architect? Like, is there a specific reason you went, okay, we, you know, we've worked with architects before, so we know this works, or have you, this is the first time you've worked with an architect? I always find it really interesting how homeowners sure. choose the um, avenue they choose. So we've worked we, um, in, in the, in Scotland where we were living, we, we had an old um, sort of single story house and, and then we renovated that to go up into the roof and extend out of the back and everything. And we did that with an architect and some local builders and, and local is key to me as well, you know, because you get people who understand the vernacular and they understand the climate 
Um, because I didn't say where we're living is about 700 meters above sea level. So we get snow, not real snow, but you know, a bit of a dusting of snow each year and it's a bit colder, which is why again, passive is gonna help us. Um, but yeah, so we worked with an architect there and and I like that. And, and I've got his, you know, my, my brother's actually an architect back in the UK. So I've been around this sort of thing for, you know, for a long time. And it was always, you know, when we've always talked about building a house, it was always gonna have an architect doing it. Um, you know, it, 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 just, it just was. You know, because I think that that's the only way that you get you get something interesting, in, in my view, and, and not to not to, to down anybody else in the profession. But, you know, you guys are trained to do what you do. So, you know, let, let's let's use that. Yeah, no, it's just lovely to get different insights into why people go about it the way that they do. So I think that um, some of the UI community will really identify that with that. Now, can I ask you, you sound like very, you know, that you've had this sort of clear path, found the right team, you know, been, uh, you know, you've worked towards this passive house result. It's going, everything's going really well. Is there anything that you were really nervous about or just unsure, you know, and weren't really, you know, sure whether it was going to be the right way to go about things? Um, yeah, I mean, I still joke with people like that talk about this as saying, you know, Especially you know, people, because we're in a, this you know, small evolving community of, of subdivisions, if you like, then then we've become known as the people with no heating, um, <laughs> you know, in, in, in the lot. Um, the crazy and, and people, think, if they're stuffed absolutely. in the snow the, the as well. The crazy people with no heating, um, you know, and, and so we're going well. Well, so and we're, I explained to them what passive house is, you know, and the fact that you know people in New Zealand have had this for a long time, for example, and if they get cold, they put another roast in the oven and the, the whole house heats up, for example. Um, but I do say to them, I'll tell you in a year's time, and if, if I'm cold in the winter, I'll be at your house. So, <laughs> so I'm, I'm, actually, I'm actually less worried about that. I'm more worried about overheating um, because it's much easier to warm up. You, know, you put a jumper on or another one or another one, however many you need, but it's really difficult to cool down. So the bit in my head is, is overheating. That's my that's my worry, and I'm, that's a still a worry. We've got to go through twelve months to to work out whether this has it worked in the way we've done it. Undoubtedly, it's going to be so far ahead of of our current house, which is an old weatherboard. Um, but you know, yeah, we, we've got the proof is in the pudding, and we won't get that for twelve months after we moved in. Gotcha. And the usability of it. So Daniel spoke to us about how the modelling is really sophisticated in terms of looking at the occupant use and you know, the number of kilowatt hours demand on the home, like how involved have you, have you been sort of in conversations about what your normal lifestyle is and what, you know, do you feel like there's any limitations being placed on you in terms of, you know, oh, you're only going to be able to heat it to this temperature and if you, you know, put the thermostat up a couple of degrees, you're going to stuff the whole system and that kind of thing. Like how, how, how's that process gone for you? Yeah, no, good question. So we did, we had those discussions initially. So when we were dealing with with Luke about, you know, feeding everything into the PHPP spreadsheet and all that sort of stuff, which which I don't understand, but but you know, the, the questioning part of it was good. And it was about, you know, how many people are going to be there most of the time? What do you do? Does somebody work at home during the day? Yada, 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 this sort of stuff. Lots of modeling on solar orientation. So we've got sort of overhangs for the for the windows in the summer. Um, you know, talking about temperatures, etc. So yeah, I think that you know that was stuff I hadn't expected to talk about, but but did. So that seemed to that seemed to go fine. Yeah. Yeah. And have you felt like there's been any limitations about the kinds of materials you can choose, or you know, the look of the house, or anything like that, in terms of the fact that you've made a de decision to make it a passive home, passive house? Um, 
we, we, we're slightly restricted because we're in a bushfire zone. So some of, especially the, the facings of the house, which are where the bushfire is likely to come from, we've had restrictions on materials there. But we were always going to, so it's predominantly colour bond. So it's all go, always going to be colour bond anyway. So that's fine you know, for bushfire stuff. I mean, our front door, for example, we wanted a timber front door, but we couldn't have it because it's facing that way. It's timber on the inside, but it's it's aluminium clad on the outside. Still lovely, but it's not you know not where we had thought. So no, the only no because of the way we wanted to do it anyway, no restrictions. The shape of our house, which you've probably seen from the plans, is absolutely what you wouldn't choose for a passive house. You know, you want best passive house you want is a is a is a cube. You know, minimal surface area to volume ratio. And we've gone for a, I think as Talina described it, you know, a Star Trek sort of view of a main bit with two wings. So we've got lots of surface area um, compared to volume. So that's made it achieving the, the passive house criteria more difficult than it would do for a more standard um, house. But you can still do it. And actually, that was one thing which was both Stu, the builder, and Talina were quite excited about, you know, from a professional point of view to show that, you can still achieve the high standards needed for passive house, but you don't have to have a boring you know, block box to do it. You can be a bit more creative about the shape of it. Yeah, it's very much a pavilion style home and it's a beautiful floor plan. I can see it's going to serve you really, really well in terms of the type of lifestyle that you're talking about living in it. Like I can, you know, I can see it really expanding and contracting to you, you guys when there's just the two of you not feeling like you're sort of inside a big soccer pitch and then, you know yeah. dealing with you know the hordes of crowds that might come for celebrations and those types of things so I think the floor plan is fantastic and it's you know Daniel um, was talking about how you know a corner is the you know sort of one of the most challenging thermal bridges and so that's you know got to be somewhere that's got to be uh, extra insulated to be able to meet passive house criteria and you do have a lot of corners because of that pavilion style. So did you, you know, was there a case of the modelling and the design happening? Happen, like, how does that happen? Does it happen alongside? Did you see that happening alongside each other and go, oh, do we really want to make this design decision because it has this impact on the modelling? And, you know, how did you feel as a client that that was, process was sort of working for you? Yeah, there was definitely that where, you know, Talina came up with a, an initial design um, or a series of designs which we picked that one and then from then on it was a bit of um, sort of toing and froing with between her and Luke about what if we do this what does that do and every time that you know, and again I, I was in the middle of listening to your podcast at this point and one of them was you know, min- push all of your changes to the beginning of the process and then lock them down and then minimize changes because you know they just get more and more expensive um, and it that really that I think that gets um magnified with something like passive house so that probably a bit of feedback to people who are interested in this is that at that point you can't just it's not just what does it look like and then the architect can draw it and you go yeah that's fine you've then got to go off to the, the passive house consultant and say okay if we do that what do we now need to do and we had to do that a couple of times and there was a bit more shading a bit more insulation bit bit off here a bit on here you know to to make sure that we still stayed within the passive house um, certification boundaries they yes. work well. It's just that extra layer every time. You've got to think, if I change that, what does that mean? And some fairly innocuous things can have an impact. So you've got to think of everything. That's a very iterative process, isn't it? Absolutely. So I can imagine Talena and Luke working very closely with each other. Yep. And, you know, do, do they, did you feel that there was sort of this intuitive understanding of that? Or was there sometimes surprises of what the software would throw out? Um. I think that the, everybody's still learning right there. So, so Talina has been involved in this, but she wasn't a passive house specialist as she's gone on and done her passive mm. house course now and, and passed that, which is great. But she was learning through this process as well. So, yeah, there were definitely learnings in there. But 
in, in a way, maybe that's quite good because it, you know, she wasn't coming from the point of I've got to design a passive house and therefore she might have creatively shut off some avenues already. So in the way this way, we've got a, a house which is designed how we want. And then it's, well, how do you make that work for passive rather than just say, I've got to have a passive house, which might mean you, 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 you throw some of your creative ideas out too early. So, yeah, I think it worked fine. Yeah. And I think the house that you're ending up with is going to be stunning. So it's just... Um... Yeah, it's it's been it's just been lovely. I've been keeping in touch with Talina through the process of it, and I've been, you know, I know that you guys were open for Sustainable House Day as um, you, that was you know, amazing when, when it was we under a, construction. We had 147 people come through in, oh, in the day. Wow, that's so, brilliant! Uh, and did you find work. what kinds of? I mean, this is a question I'm throwing at left of field, but what yeah. what kind of questions did you find that they were asking? What what kind of things were people interested in in terms of you know when they started wandering <clears> through? We had, a, we had a whole range of people. We had builders who coming through who were interested in passive but had no idea and they were speaking to, to, to Stu and, and about it because they were into it. We had people who knew heaps about passive. They'd either done one or were about to do one from to people who had knew nothing about it whatsoever. Um, so lots of the ones were about um, you know, material choices. Um, so I just directed them at Stu and said, you know, speak to him. He knows what he's, he's talking about in that one. But a bit of people just wanted to see what it actually looked and felt like. And because we opened it up partway through construction, you know, they got to see the walls before they were finished and they got to see the material. So I think people just wanted to see it as it was progressing. Um, so, yeah, a whole range of, of, of levels of understanding, of skills, of, of different areas. Um, yeah, I think that the understanding of Passive House is definitely becoming more mainstream and and it's what I'm finding time and time again is the people who commit to this, both homeowners, professionals, you know, builders are incredibly passionate about it as an avenue yep. for um, a great home that supports health and well-being, that's sustainable, energy efficient and kind of the way of the future in terms we, of how we build and renovate homes um, and, and the opportunity that we have to actually make a dent in much bigger kind of global issues like climate change and those types of things. So Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that, you know, there is this underpinning of core values and alignment with strong beliefs about it. So I think it's great that you were able to open your doors or open your site and give people the opportunity to have a look and really understand it because it is it's difficult to get the opportunity to see these um, types of homes under construction unless you know someone so yeah. it must have been amazing for all of those I can see why you would have had a great turnout so yeah no it's good, good. <laughs> now um uh, we Daniel and I joked about alarm bells going off in some head office somewhere when you open a window because of <laughs> passive house works on air tightness and and uh and the heat exchange system how do you feel about you know the flexibility of of living in the home day to day and and you know whether you'll stuff up the system at all See, that, that was my view as well when i started on this journey i heard that that you know you've got to keep all of the windows shut and the doors you you, you hear people are building airlocks in effect to get into the house and, and you know right shut the door and all these sorts of things but the more i've been reading and the more i've been speaking to people that's just not true um you know you just in, in the same way that, that in your normal house, if it's freezing cold outside, you wouldn't leave all of your windows open. You don't want to do that you know, when the temperature differential is huge. But if you want to open the window for a particular reason, it's only going to have the amount of airflow through the house that you would do normally. If it's a howling gale outside, then it's going to be wind rushing. And if it's fairly still, then it's not because they're at the same sort of pressure. So there's not this it's complete furphy about this shutting windows. You don't need to open the windows to get 
fresh air. And that's the, the thing which I, because we, when we were looking for a builder, we went around and looked at a few of them and went into a number of passive houses, either in partway through construction or done. And that was a comment from everybody is that you don't need to open windows to get fresh air, which is why people open windows, you, because the system's doing that for you. So I'm not worried about if I do need to open them, like purging heat at night in the summer, if there's been a long buildup, that's all fine. It's not going to screw the whole system up. Um, so yeah, that was a big, I came in with that thing thinking we're going to have to live completely differently. And we are, you know, somebody said to me, you know, you, a passive house requires active ownership. So you do need to do a few things differently, but it's nothing major. You know, it's not that you can't open windows. You've got to run around shutting them and screaming at people to shut windows or doors or whatever. It's just realizing that, that you, you don't need to. And it, become, it becomes second nature fairly quickly from what I understand. Yeah, I think that that um, you don't need fresh air thing is really um, is really a key understanding of it because the 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 exchange system is working actively to do that job for you and yep. you don't have that same staleness and you know um, locked in odors and things like that that you would Correct. have in a traditional home. So um, I think that's and it's doing it much better. So my understanding is doing it. It's doing it much better because it's doing it constantly. It's swapping the heat out. It's it's you know, it's balancing everything up. You're not just taking what you get, which is what happens to be outside, which may be too hot, too cold, full of dust, whatever. It, you're you're getting something as a known quantity which you can control. So therefore, you know, it, it's it's a better outcome. Yeah, and it's been predictively measured as well. So mm -hmm. I think that, yeah. that for for a homeowner is just an extraordinary um, opportunity because it can the home can be modelled to such a high level. For you to understand going yeah, in, yeah, absolutely. But the what the how that house is going to perform um, based on what you do is really great. So, yeah. Now, what are you most looking forward to about the home being finished and moving in and living in a passive house? Um, actually, quietness. Um, first, first of all, because it's location, it's quieter than the way we are. But because it's massively insulated and we've got triple glazing, then wow. when we're not you know, exactly. Yeah, you know, so it is quite a lot colder up there than, than down here. So we did look at doing part double, double part triple. But we thought no, let's you know. So so yeah, the window bill is frightening. But apart from that, it's all good. Um, but yeah, quietness for a start. You know, um, and then and just that. You know, we, we've lived in the UK for most of our lives, uh, where the building standards are pretty poor and tend to have lived in very old houses. Um, you know, so therefore you can be standing at one end of a corridor and your hair's blowing from wind coming through allegedly shut doors and windows at the other end. Um, so just, I think that predictability, that that level of, of thermal um, comfort and, and just a baseline the whole time, which you do deviate from, but not not wildly. Yeah. yeah that, that's what I'm looking forward to. Yeah. Um, and in terms of your key learnings, you know, what for somebody who's thinking about this as an option for their new home or their renovation, what what would be your advice to them in terms of getting started and you know things that you've really learned along the way or wish you might have known earlier or you know that type of thing? Um, I think the the things that have really worked for us and I would recommend for everybody is you know, find find your, your and you've said it you find your team and, and I think the key people in that team are are the architect and the builder the rest are all supporting services to that but those are the the two key roles and both of them need to. Oh, the architect must understand you know, passive to a degree. I think that's important, but less important than the builder who absolutely has to do it because they've got to make it work. And, and the devil is in the detail. Um, and I see the deep level of detail which Stu and his team go to in the build. And if you've to, and that's needed to achieve what, what we're trying to do. And if you don't understand that, then you're constantly having to be doing rework. And that will, that's when it becomes expensive. 
So a builder who really gets passive houses, so they need to be experienced in it and they need to be passionate about it. And that's your get your core team right. And after that, it will, you know, you've set yourself up for success. You know, things can go wrong, but you've set yourself up for success. The other one, and this is the, the only negative, is that we we were, had our heart set on having a, a, a wood wood fired stove in the house. We've always grown up with them in the UK. We love them when we go away on holidays here. You know, you rug up, you get in front of the fire. We would wanted one and we were talked out of it in the passive house. Um, and eventually we gave into that. Um, and I'm glad we did because basically you won't need it. First of all, you're punching holes in a thing which you're trying to make airtight. And secondly, you put that on and you will cook yourself alive in the house because it just doesn't need that level of heat. So we're gonna have a fire pit outside the window. That's our compromise. Oh, nice. so, we can, so we can look at it outside. We don't actually, and go yeah. and sit around it, <laughs> but, but it doesn't need to be inside the house. So yes. yeah, so if you're, if you're wedded to a, a wood burner, then maybe a passive house isn't for you or stick it out in the garden. Yeah, or get a screensaver on your TV. Absolutely. (laughs) No, well, that's fantastic. It's just been really lovely to hear about it from a homeowner's point of view. You know, I'm usually speaking to professionals on the Get It Right podcast and and I think for the UA community to hear from somebody who's like them, who had some ideas and some ambitions and dreams about their future home and has taken the steps, you know, to achieve that and pulled the right people around them. And you've clearly skilled yourself up along the way, but also built a team together that you can really trust who's, who's you know, have done a great job in supporting you. And I think that that the key of that collaboration and that approach um, is such is such an important part of achieving success. Um, and I'm just really excited to see the home finished and you guys move in and, you know, experience this and see, um, you know, that it, it's delivering on all of the things that you dream for it. So thank you so much for your time, David. It's just been great. No, you're welcome, Amelia. Anytime. Wasn't David awesome? I really do look forward to checking back in in 12 months time to see how the home has traveled through a year of seasons and how comfortable it's been, whether he had to hang out at his neighbors too often or whether it's lived up to expectations and even exceeded them. In the next episode, we're going to talk with Talina Edwards of Talina Edwards Architecture. So Talina actually designed uh, the Alwoods Passive House and she got so bitten by the bug of the Passive House movement that she's actually since achieved her certification as a Passive House designer. So she's going to be sharing some great advice for working well with your designer, whatever type of home you're creating, but particularly if you're considering and wanting to create a sustainable one. Now, remember to head to the show notes. I've got links there so you can see the floor plans and you can find out more information about the Alwoods Passive House. And I want to say a massive, massive thank you to David for his generosity uh, and his openness in talking about this project on the podcast. I find that homeowners... um, you know, we're, homeowners are an incredible wealth of information when it comes to their own project experience and the process of building or renovating. But because building or renovating your own home is such a personal thing, it can be really challenging to want to share that with others. But ultimately, it just so significantly helps other people have a better experience. And uh, and so I, it was just really lovely to be able to bring David's uh, knowledge and his insights to you as the client and the homeowner in this project. And I really want to thank him for his generosity. Now, in the meantime, remember, share this podcast with any friends. So, you know, if they want to learn about sustainable design, want to learn how to create energy efficient homes, you know, we're sharing so much great knowledge here. And uh, this is really, you know, a, a place that I'd love people to come to get the resources that they need. Now, 
If you would personally like knowledge, support and guidance for creating your future home, remember to check out my online course, How to Get It Right in Your Reno or New Home. It's a really great way to get informed and educated for your project, whether you're early in your planning, uh, you're deciding that you're going to kick it up a gear or you've even started designing your future new home or renovation or working with a designer on it. Trina actually uh, said about this course and she's a member um, of, of the How to Get It Right course. She said, How to Get It Right gives you confidence as you go into your project. It helps you be better prepared to ask questions to the right professionals and will hopefully, hopefully save you time, money and disappointment in the long run. Be that picking the right people, getting the floor plan that works for you, asking the right questions and being prepared as to the whole process. Now, the How to Get It Right course now gives you access not only to the fantastic lessons on the steps that are involved in home renovating or building, but it also includes a Facebook group with monthly live Q&A sessions with me, plus a library of tips and strategies, tools, resources, so much good stuff that really will help you save time, money and stress in your project. So head to undercoverarchitect.com forward slash how to get it right to learn more about what's included and to join right away. As always, thank you so much for listening to the Get It Right podcast and for letting me be your secret ally. Until next time, bye.